Welcome to episode seven of the Lucino Brief. I am your host, Steve Lucino. Wow, thank you, everyone. We are over 1,100 listens total as of today, Thursday, February 11th, which is fantastic. Um, have some interesting uh, news, though. So as the podcast has continued to grow, I've gotten messages from people, hey, I really want to listen to episode one and episode four, but uh, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Podcasts doesn't have those episodes. Well, for those of you who don't know, they're coming for everybody in terms of censorship. If you do not talk about what they want you to talk about, they are going to have their little complex algorithms that pick up on words and phrases, and they're just going to pull them off. Episode one, I talk about the potential for election fraud. I didn't say that the election was stolen. I didn't say anything other than there is a large potential for election fraud. There was some inconsistencies with uh, historical trends. Um, There was definitely election fraud. To what extent? We can't say that it would have overturned the election, but we should definitely try to root out the potential election. Everybody should be for the sanctity of the vote, (laughs) except for we know that liberals aren't. So, of course, that one was edited. Episode four, my most listened to episode by far. Actually, those are my two most listened to episodes, one and four. Uh, Number four was HR 27. Yes, they're coming for your guns. That'll probably get this censored. But that has over 500 plays. And it's being censored off of podcasts, uh, off of Apple Podcasts and Amazon. So for those of you who are listening, if you want to listen to episodes one and four, you can listen to podcasts for free on Spotify. Download Spotify and listen to one and four. Definitely listen to number four, HR 127. It's extremely important that we get ahead of these things because in that episode, I lay out HR 127, what they're going to do, the, the legislation they're proposing, and how to fight back and how to argue back against uh, liberals that claim that gun control is the way and Australia is a great idea and Chicago gun laws are a great idea. I actually give you data and facts how to re- re- rebut these people because they don't actually have a good argument. Not a single gun control argument holds water in any educated debate. So listen to uh, episode four on Spotify. All right. As I said at the end of last episode, we're going to dive into how the left controls the language. But before I get into that, I want to talk about this Gina Carano situation. Uh, It's absolutely insane. Gina Carano is being canceled uh, for tweeting, comparing the way conservatives are being treated to the way Nazis began to treat Jews in uh, Germany in 1930s, 1940s. And it's ironic because she is getting censored for a social media post that she made. She has been an outspoken Trump supporter. I'm going to read you her post. It has a picture of a Jewish, seemingly what seems to be a Jewish woman getting beaten to death, not by Nazi soldiers, but by her neighbors, one of which you can see is a small child, uh, maybe around the age of 12, if I had to throw out a guess. Here was her post. Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? And I don't like a lot of Nazi comparisons, but she was wasn't really she wasn't comparing the government in terms of you know calling. You know how the liberals called Trump a fascist, which obviously wasn't true. Trump is literally Hitler, which is obviously not true. Um, They're mindless liberals that repeat that. But her point was is that we're being demonized by the name mainstream media. We're they're being told that we're right wing extremists and we're insurrectionists, and they're painting us with this broad brush. Uh, you know, we want to overthrow the government and we need to be reprogrammed and even suggesting re-education camps which is absolutely insane. But my question is, are they going to hold liberals to the same standards? So she's being canceled from the show, The Mandalorian. Uh, Her co-star, Mando, his uh, real name is Pedro Pascal. And you know he is a little beta punk ass because he has Pedro Pascal, he, him, in his uh, Twitter, in his Twitter handle. He has his pronouns, he, him, which if you haven't seen my Instagram, my pronouns are... uh, majesty lord in american gorilla so i would appreciate if you'd use those pronouns for me but he tweeted hashtag this is america and there's a picture of germany 1944 with jews behind some barbed wire 
And there's a picture of some Hispanic looking children in a jail cage type situation. And it says America 2018. Now, he compared Trump, the Trump administration in America in 2018 to Germany in 1944. Is he going to get canceled? No, he won't. And it's funny because uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, Jack Posobiec, I don't know how it's pronounced. I apologize if it's wrong. It's Jack P-O-S-O-B-I-E-C. He is a fantastic follow on Twitter. Uh, but he pointed out, Dizzy won't say anything about this, but he points out that the photo of the kids in cages was from Obama's America in 2010, which is absolutely hilarious because we saw this throughout the Trump administration when the original photo came out of kids in cages. CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, all of them had this picture. Oh, Trump's putting kids in cages. The picture was from 2015. Who was president in 2015? I don't remember. Uh, what was his name? Oh, uh, orange man bad? Orange man bad. Orange man bad. Yes, the picture was from the Obama administration. Obama built those cages. And we'll dive into the rewording of, of, uh, of some immigration uh issues when we dive into the, the left controlling the language, but it just goes to show, I'm going to continue to point out the hypocrisy of this because they want to cancel any dissenting thought. If you don't agree with everything that liberals put out, they are going to try to cancel you. I just had this happen again. Uh, this kid that I loosely know, I mean, he's, I mean, the, the mental, like, I, I think he may have had like a, a 19th century lobotomy to go through this transformation that he went through, but he was a a, uh, he was involved in the Libertarian Party at UNL. He was a staunch Rand Paul supporter and a guy that he graduated with. Tyler worked for me, and that's how he and I got connected on Facebook. So we used to go back and forth about politics. We agreed, we agreed on some things, disagreed on some things, but we had a respectful, uh, you know, dialogue back and forth uh, because he was a little bit more libertarian than 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 I am. I am I'm conservative. I have some libertarian principles, but um, you know, we had some things we disagreed, but we could talk intelligently about it. Well. He, he has since lost that ability, apparently. Uh, he made a post, and now he makes posts, I mean, constantly, every single day about how terrible Trump supporters are. They're stupid. Uh, just he, he says terrible things about Trump supporters. And so, I, you know, I the, the kid is just, I mean, he's a potato. He's a potato brain. And he made a post about how it was constitutional to have the impeachment. Keep in mind, this kid went to law school. He's an attorney. He hasn't been able to get hired as an attorney it turns out because probably they don't like him. I mean, as a, as a business owner, I can tell you if I interviewed somebody with his attitude and his demeanor, uh, the interview would be over in minutes. Okay, you know, I'll tell you what, thank you. We got enough here. I'll give you a call if we're interested. And he would never get a phone call because he's just that type of pretentious liberal that thinks he is better than you, has his nose up in the air and, and, re and really is just a douche. There's no other way to put it. He's a very unlikable person. So I just commented on there. It's no surprise that you have not been, you can't seem to be hired as an attorney. So he obviously, he goes on uh, the face pages and he wants to, he wants to get me back. Now, keep in mind, he unfriended me so I couldn't see this first, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And I'm just going to go ahead and read you what he wrote. He actually put this on Facebook and people wonder. Must have been a picture of me. I couldn't see it from the screenshot I was sent. But he said, this is the owner of Elite Nutrition Omaha. If you'd like to go throw them a one-star review on Google, I grew up in Nebraska, and that's the major reason I was hesitant to stick around for law school. Despite earning a full ride, I found myself really struggling with grades. I entered a few weeks after shoulder, shoulder surgery in the poorest mental condition I've ever been in, and things compounded very, very quickly. I think I finished one L year with some of the lowest grades of anyone who didn't drop out. It's difficult for me to describe the last few years, but it felt like watching a train wreck from inside the car. I fed myself toxic energy from the start by focusing on what I lost by choosing UNL over offers at DU and CU. And it became a death spiral of self-fulfilling prophecies until I failed the bar exam. Then, of course, when I thought I got my, I'd get my break and take the bar exam again, coronavirus struck. And now I've spent my first two years after law school, navigating manual labor jobs, living below the poverty line, and quite honestly, reminding myself that I deserve to be alive and happy. I've already paid most of the sunk cost of becoming an attorney. And while it would be probably easier to get a job back home, I hold so much contempt for Nebraska. I'd rather live off scraps in Colorado. I'd rather compete in a market where employers laugh at the N in Nebraska stands for knowledge. It's been, I don't, I don't give the hell he's saying there, but it's been hell trying to break into the legal field here, but I'm lucky to be doing it in a place where random CU Boulder, it must go on. I didn't want the rest of the screenshot. 
but he got, including himself, he got five people to go leave me one-star Google reviews. And the irony of this is we have, we keep records in our point of sale for years back. So we can see any of these little betas, we'll just stick with betas, we'll go radio edit. These betas have shopped the store. Not a single one of them has shopped at the store. So they go in here and they slander my business simply because I said, not a shocker that you haven't been hired as an attorney. If you think this impeachment is constitutional, you're not a very good attorney because people far smarter than you, Alan Dershowitz, one of them, a Democrat, has said this is unconstitutional. Mark Levin, one of the greatest minds in American political commentary history, if you don't know who Mark Levin is, read any of his books. He is one of the greatest American patriots to ever talk about politics. He's incredible. But all five of these people, Dylan Brocksterman, Caleb Ward, Jordan Johnson, Jake Wilson, and Wade Burkholder, all five of them are slanderous liars because they haven't been in my store. They haven't experienced the quote, terrible customer service and disappointed with how poorly you treat returning customers who seek cheaper options elsewhere. Apparently the owner forgets we can see their online activity. Maybe get a second account if you're going to bully those less fortunate. Didn't have a good experience. Not as good as when it was Max Muscle. Not the same store. Actually, dipshit Jake, it is the same store. Wade Burkholder, not a quality store. Poor management. Really? That's why I've managed to keep my brick and mortar store relevant in the age of Amazon, especially during the coronavirus, you little dipshits. Point is, they want to cancel everybody that disagrees with them. And they just can't help themselves. But I will say this again. Liberalism is the best thing to happen in my business because I make a little post about it on Facebook. And what do I get? I got 55 five-star reviews overnight. Yes, little Wade. I have 10 times, more than 10 times the reach that you have and 10 times the effect. So you try to ruin my business. I just monopolize it because whether you like me or not, I'm good at my job. I've been doing it for 16 years. I'm passionate about it. I've helped thousands of people improve the health of their lives. And I will continue to do so because I love doing that. You've seen with this podcast, anybody who knows me personally, I don't half-ass anything I do. Everything I do for my family, I do 120%. With my fitness, I go 120%. With my job, I go 120%. With my passion about politics, I go 120%. And that'll never change. So this is a message to all of you. Rally. Look at what conservatives and even, even people who aren't as conservative. I had them message me. I just had somebody message me uh, and she thanked me for the podcast. She said, it's been, I'm really enjoying it. As an independent, you do a great job of breaking down the politics that I just don't get that into. So thank you, uh, Autumn, for that fantastic message. But I'm getting messages like that, which is awesome because this is what I want. I want to speak to the normal, rational people. The Wades and the Jakes or whoever else left those reviews, they're not rational humans. We have to stand by each other to try to cancel people for simply having a different opinion than them. They don't want dissent. They don't want debate. They don't want conversation. They just want to shut us down. This is why it's time to pick a side. I'll probably say that every podcast from here on out, you have to pick a damn side and you have to stand with each other. They don't care about my children. I feed three kids with my job. I provide for my wife with my job. I, I <laughs> The idea that, again, it doesn't matter because liberalism has been great for business. We had a boom in online orders last night. I'll have a great day of business today and I won't even be there. Uh, so I'm not worried about that, but we do need to continue to support one another. Stop, stop letting liberals trample on good people for simply being conservative. We need to stand up and we need to be heard. It's time to pick a side. The that time is actually over, but if you haven't picked a side yet, you know where to go if you want to be with rational humans that can have dissenting thought and actually have conversation. Okay, moving on. Uh, cooled down there a little bit. Uh, there were six Republicans that did vote with the Democrats, and I want you to remember their names. Um, Rand Paul um, basically proposed uh, a vote that the impeachment trial was actually unconstitutional because the language in the in the uh, Constitution is 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 specific. It's a sitting president. So you can't impeach a private citizen from office. You can't just go around impeaching private citizens and barring them from running for office um, because you don't like their ideas. So there were six traitorous rhino Republicans, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski, no shock there, of Alaska, little punk Mittens Romney from Utah, Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania, and yes, Nebraska, Ben Sass 
the little punk ass. Of course, Ben Sass voted for this. Mr. I stand with the Constitution. Again, let this be an example of how Ben Sass does not stand with the Constitution because if he stood with the Constitution, he would have voted that it was unconstitutional. Whether you like Trump or not, it is not constitutional to impeach a private citizen from office because they're not in office. They don't hold office. You can't impeach them for it. So just remember that. You guys need to remember these rhino Republicans. And like I said, I'm not telling you to vote for a Democrat, but I'm telling you, stop voting for these people. Okay. Executive orders. Um, remember when Trump was a dictator? We talked about that. Trump's a fascist. He's literally a Nazi. Biden is well over 50 executive orders in 20 days. You know how much legislation has been passed in that time? Zero. They have not done anything through the legislative process because they know their ideas are terrible. So they're just going to ram them down your throat. Jen Psaki in a press conference also said, there is gun control coming. So if they can't get legislation done on gun control, they will do something. It's my hunch that Biden is going to do some sort of attack on internet sales of ammo, firearm accessories, and firearms, period. And as I said in episode four, you can't buy a gun online and get it shipped to your house. It has to get shipped to an FFF, FFL, which is a licensed firearm dealer. You have to go fill out the same paperwork. They're in the same Nick's background check. You have to show your ID, et cetera, et cetera, except for showing IDs is racist when you want to vote. But showing ID to show a gun is imperative and getting a mental health check. By the way, that mental health check, they can actually interview ex-wives or ex-husbands <laughs> to to check your mental capacity. Well, sorry, if you went through a rough divorce, uh, your ex-wife or ex-husband can say that you're mentally unstable and the government's like, oh, yep, mentally unstable, can't have a gun. So that's where we're at in America. Biden is coming for your guns, period. This will get censored, but he is. So let's talk coronavirus. Coronavirus, the numbers have dropped drastically the last three weeks. Oh my gosh, isn't it crazy? how much better the Biden administration is doing. They're on pace to hit 100 million doses in 100 days. Good job, Biden. Trump was already on that pace. But it's interesting. The tests have gone down. Now, the Lucino brief first went super viral uh, on Facebook, specifically when I posted a video about how they're going to change the testing and, and, and what they're going to do going forward to make these numbers artificially drop. Well, guess what? This is from a very close friend of mine. Uh, she is getting a surgery. It's a double mastectomy. She's got the gene that basically, you know, more than guarantees that she's going to get breast cancer. So there's two surgeries that she had to do. The first one, it was delayed. And this was from a hospital in Nebraska, one of the biggest hospitals, most prestigious hospitals in Nebraska. I'm going to leave everything nameless because I don't want to put any of that out there. But her first surgery got delayed because she tested positive for the coronavirus. So she quarantined her, herself, her family, which obviously quarantining for 10 days or whatever, I think it was 10 days she did. Uh, she had no symptoms. Nobody in her family had symptoms, but she had to delay her surgery, which obviously throws off her life. Well, she's got the next phase of that surgery and she said, I'm not taking that coronavirus test. And they said, well, we'll call her Sally. Well, Sally, you have to. I don't want to because last time I took it and I tested positive, I had no symptoms. My family had no symptoms. We were perfectly fine. Well, the PCR tests were really sensitive. So it may have been that you had a coronavirus months ago and it was picking up on some of that. Well, why, why is it different? Why would it be different now? This is coming from, <laughs> this is coming from the employee, not just, uh, not just a secretary at the hospital. This is coming from an employee directly involved with the surgery and the processes and the intake, everything. Okay. Well, this is a quote and I, I confirmed it with Sally several times. I asked her several times, Sally, is this exactly what she said? Yes. They decreased the sensitivity of the PCR test by 50%. So we're not getting as many positives as we were before. Wait. So Sally, being the very intelligent human that she is. I just out of curiosity, uh, when did they start this policy of decreasing the PCR uh, sensitivity by 50%? Oh, January 22nd. <laughs> you heard that right. Two days after the inauguration, they decreased the sensitivity of the PCR test by 50%. And you're shocked that the numbers have just gone way down the last two weeks. Oh God, thank you so much, Biden. You are such, you are my hero. You are the bestest. You are so awesome, Biden. You're saving America. A hundred million doses in a hundred days. And the coronavirus has dropped drastically the last three weeks. Oh my gosh, what a shocker. 
Nobody that's listening to this is shocked, but again, this just gives you more ammo in your arsenal to throw it in liberal spaces. Continuing on with the coronavirus. Let's look at how New York handled coronavirus and let's look at how Florida, Cuomo versus Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is a conservative juggernaut. That guy barely won the governorship and everybody in Florida better be thanking their lucky stars that DeSantis won by a very narrow margin against a extreme socialist piece of trash. New York under Governor Cuomo, there's 230 deaths per 100,000 people, 46 plus thousand deaths to date, 15,000 plus nursing home deaths, 1 million jobs lost, 8,000 are currently hospitalized as of today, 9,000 daily cases, and there's been 1.8 million people vaccinated. Florida has had 128 deaths per 100,000, so 102 less per 100,000 people, a total of 28,000 plus deaths, 9,000 nursing home deaths, so 6,000 less nursing home deaths, only 400,000 jobs lost, 5,000 are currently hospitalized, 7,400 daily cases, and there's been 2.1 million vaccinations. Important to note that Florida has a larger population than New York, increases the chance of spread. Florida's population is more concentrated in urban areas. Yep. Florida is more disproportionately elderly, more at risk. It's a big retirement state, plus no state income tax. That's how conservatives do. Florida is visited by more by more potentially infected, infected tourists. Yeah, because it's one of the only places that you can go and actually have a real vacation. My wife and I were talking about going on vacation somewhere for a quick three or four days. And we were like, well, Florida is really our only option. I mean, what other option do we have? Everywhere else is still crazy locked down. So we have a state that has been handled this extremely well with Florida. And then we have the lockdown state of New York, New York City, uh, obviously it was extreme lockdown. So we have two different methods. We have the liberal method and you saw what that yielded. And we have the conservative method and you saw what that yielded. Conservative policy, I will say it again, the irony of conservatism is even liberals win under conservative. And uh, hat tip to the unwoke narrative. They're an Instagram account. You guys should really follow unwoke narrative. They post fantastic information. They cite all of their sources, but their posts are awesome. So go to their page when you see a great post like this, save it so you can represent later and you're saved. So if you need to pull this out with a liberal in a month or so, I'm, you know, you're not going to remember those numbers. Oh, you know what? I saved that unwoke narrative post. Boom. Grab that. You can pull that out of your save of your, of your saved post on Instagram and you can pull out some facts for their asses because it's undeniable that conservative policy has handled the coronavirus far better than liberal policy. Lockdowns have failed. Oh, I know you guys have all heard, but one mask is no longer enough. You need two and three masks, says Dr. Fauci. The guy who originally said you don't need any mask is now saying that you need to wear three masks. <sighs> listen to the experts. Listen to the experts. Well, the experts originally said we should only, we shouldn't even wear a mask. And the Surgeon General said stop buying masks. And now everybody is supposed to wear three masks. It took you guys a year to figure this out. I thought you were the brightest minds in the world. It took you a year to find out that we should wear three masks. These people are actually serious. <sighs> Take your mask off. Your masks aren't doing anything. Um, I don't wear a mask. I don't. You, those of you who know me, I don't social distance. You're probably getting a hug if you see me. Um, yeah, anecdotal statement, but I've stayed commie virus free. Booker, booty Booker's right up there with her, but Maisie Hirono is truly a moron. So sexual preference became a, an offensive term. And now here's, here's where they get you. Literally, the next day, Merriam-Webster updated their definition, their entry on sexual preference after the Amy Coney Barrett misuse of the word. They actually added widely considered offensive. They added that the next day. This was never – sexual preference was never an offensive term. But because Maisie Hirono wanted to have her 30 seconds of fame and – all right. And with that, let's dive into what I really wanted to talk about this podcast, which is how the left controls the language. And I'm going to read you some excerpts from a piece on The Federalist. It was written by Benjamin R. Durker. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing his name right. It was written on May 1st, 2018. But this is a piece that I've read a couple of times and I, I absolutely love it. Uh, it. He just he covers it so well. So I'm going to read some parts of it. Whether we are communicating something simple like a restaurant order or something like complex tax code, we expect others to understand. Language provides an avenue to express shared meaning so humans can relate to one another. 
On college campuses, social media, and in the courts, this shared meaning is being destroyed through linguistic activism. Leftists have begun a full-scale war on language, playing their playing by their own set of constantly shifting rules. I don't know how it started or with what word, but the modern American lexicon is changing faster than society can keep up. Any 20th century liberal who walked onto a college campus today would be more confused than the town drunk <laughs> from straggling into town uh, the morning after a bender. Words can now literally be defined by their antonym, which is their opposite. We are a hair's width and an ounce of stupidity away from war is peace, freedom is slavery. Word games take many forms, and honest people must call it out. We cannot let the left control the language. We have seen this and we've allowed it to go on too long. And the way we stop this is by just refusing to play their game. Don't refer to an AR-15 or any semi-automatic rifle as an assault rifle. That's just an example of how they've controlled the language in a continuous effort to reshape society. I mean, they'll make the argument, well, it's just semantics. Well, semantic literally means the meaning of words. They want intellectual conformity. They don't want a difference of opinion. We talked about that with woke Wade uh, and having a different opinion than him. But they will do things like say, well, this is my truth. Well, I'm sorry, but there's no your truth because your truth is my truth as well. My truth is your truth. There is the truth. There's no such thing as my truth. Uh, equality. They used to fight for equality, equality, equality. Well, when you ask for examples of lack of equality, or point out where there's inequality due to the government or due to whiteness and male chauvinism. And they can't find it because America is truly the most equality driven place in the world. So that word has now changed to equity. And around the election, uh, Kamala Harris put out a video where it's equality is not enough. It's we need to get equity. We want e so, so equal opportunity is no longer enough they want equal outcomes. And Lizzie Pocahontas Warren has been a huge advocate of this. Well, if you have a successful business, you're not successful in that business because you 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 worked hard and you did well. You're successful because of the people that built the roads so cars could drive to your business. Or Obama, you got a successful business. You didn't build that. You didn't do that. Nope, you're right, Obama. We built nothing and you built, what, what has Obama built? Serving in office, he came out and signed it. At one point, I just think that some folks have made enough money. Not Obama when he came out and signed a 60 plus million dollar book deal. <laughs> Nobody gets a 60 plus million dollar book deal. But the Obamas did. At some point, I think you just made enough money. You got to share some of your pie, says Michelle Obama. Well, uh, are you guys sharing your pie? I'll bet not because you got that mansion in Martha's Vineyard that's about to get taken over by the ocean. Uh, another example, illegal alien is changed to undocumented immigrant. Or person because no human is illegal. Well, alien is an accepted phrase for immigrants or for somebody outside of a country. And illegal is an action or a status. If they are a person from another country here illegally, that is an illegal alien, an undocumented immigrant, because we don't want to demean them. Now, <laughs> under Trump, the mainstream media used the term detention centers, right? Detention centers are now called overflow facilities because overflow facilities under Biden just sound that much better and friendlier and warm and cozy. This is a good one. They used to call them tent city. Tent cities where the 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 basically the tents they have set up to house immigrants are called soft-sided semi-permanent structures now. <laughs> soft-sided semi-permanent structures. You see how they're changing the language just so subconsciously it doesn't sound as bad to you. So if you're just quick, majority of people don't read past the headline. They read the headline. Uh, Trump is caging kids in detention centers. Biden is transferring families to overflow centers. You see how that sounds lovely and nice and soft and rainbows and unicorns and butterflies and pots of gold at the end of the rainbow. And then we have things like the Capitol, right? So we have a violent insurrection at the Capitol. Yes, there was some violence. There was actually a very small amount of violence at the Capitol. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. There was a small amount of violence. I know people that were there. You can see the videos. There were They literally waved people in. Capitol Police officers waving people in, open barricades. They took selfies with these violent insurrectionists, okay? Now, 
what were the violent protests all summer of 2020 called? Mostly peaceful riots. As a structure is burning in the background on, on CNN. Well, I just want to stress, these are mostly peaceful riots. These are social justice marches. So violent protests are actually mostly peaceful. Uh, an actual mostly peaceful Trump rally basically is a violent insurrection and they're all insurrectionists and they all should be arrested. Ugh. One of the most dangerous trends of our time is making the truth socially unacceptable or even illegal with hate speech laws. Fight, the word fight. If you have watched any of the impeachment trial, that is the word they are using to try to crucify Donald Trump. Fight, we're gonna fight for this. We're gonna fight, we're gonna fight to take America back. You know, it's funny because Sean Handy the other night played a montage of all the times that Democrats, including Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, actually Joe Biden said he wanted to take Trump behind the gym and beat his ass. Um, not exactly in that language, but that's what he said. And he said he wanted to take him behind the gym and fight him. Um, Kamala said she wanted to fight, fight, fight. Fight is not a literal term. It means to struggle, to, to endure, um, to work hard through something, or it means to physically fight, to uh, fisticuffs, to punch people, to kick people, whatever. But the fight for 15, that's that's been their phrase, right? Fight for 15. Oh, are you saying that you're calling for violence when you say fight for 15, $15 minimum wage? No, no, no. We mean, we mean, we mean through peace and rallies and our signs. Oh, so Trump can't use that in the same in the same way? You see how the language is flipped on its head. And the thing is, you know, adjectives can, can completely change the meaning of words. And we are letting the left control every bit of the language and it's not okay. I'm gonna give you another great example. If you remember back when Amy Coney Barrett was being uh, confirmed, Senator Maisie Hirono and Cory Booker were triggered because she said sexual preference. Now there are, there is nobody, no Senator dumber than Maisie Hirono. She truly is the dumbest. Cory, we played on Moscow Maddow's show and. Don Lamone's show, she decided to make that an offensive word. And Merriam-Webster fell right in line with the liberal narrative, and they actually added widely considered offensive to their definition. This is how they are the controlling the language, and we cannot play into them. Use the term sexual preference. Use it. Because it's not offensive. It's what you prefer. They want people to use uh, sexual orientation because it's not chosen. I don't get, that's not, saying sexual preference, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think it's chosen or not. It's still a preference. <laughs> Whether it's a biological preference or a chosen preference, I don't care. It's a preference. And then we have, you know, we have people putting out articles, everydayfeminism.com. Uh, the words shady and sketchy are actually racist and they're used towards black and brown people. No, if something looks shady, it looks questionable. If it looks sketchy, it looks questionable. Yeah, man, that's a sketchy area. I don't want to go there. It doesn't mean it's brown. It means it's an area where you don't feel safe or you don't feel comfortable. There's no color connotation. And who's the racist? If liberals are assigning shady and sketchy to black and brown populations, aren't they the racist? Because when I say sketchy, something is sketchy. That's sketch, dude. I don't know if I want to do that. I'm not implying a color. It's a feeling. It's a situation. It's not, has a, nothing to do with somebody's color. You people, you people is also racist. You can't say you people. So if I was talking about liberals and there was a black liberal, a white liberal, a brown liberal, another white liberal, you people, I'm referring to those four people of different skin pigments. They would automatically say, the phrase is abundantly clear that you are referring to you people as black people and they're less than you know. I, I, I'm actually just saying you people as in the four of you that seem to think the same. But thug. Thug is a racist word. Now we saw this a lot. You can't say thug. Now, if you call people Antifa thugs, which are largely beta male white libs and and you know the disgusting you know, the, the, the Antifa women, they're just, e, e, e. Uh, if you use the term Antifa thug, you might be referring to a thug is, you know, defined as a gangster, a criminal, you know, the basic definition of thug. Nope. Liberals say you're talking about black people. 
Again, who is the racist? If I say thug and you immediately think black, you're the racist, not me. I'm simply describing somebody who is probably going to commit a crime or somebody who looks like they're going to commit a crime. If you put a color on the word thug, you are the racist. Newsflash. Inner city. <laughs> Inner city is also racist. Inner city is like saying urban. The opposite of rural. Uh, it just means a, a, a dense city. So New York City, the inner city. Chicago, inner city. Uh, there's there's not poor people in Chicago that are white? I, I don't know. Again, if you're applying colors to things like this, you're the racist, not us. Second Amendment, another example. A well-regulated militia. Liberals want to tell you this means a government, military, a government inspected and approved group of people. No. Militia literally meant the people. They weren't regular army. I've talked about this in previous podcasts. Again, a well-regulated militia means me. I am a militia member in terms of what they meant by the constitution. I am a normal citizen that owns firearms and I can defend myself, my home, and my country. That's what they mean by a well-regulated militia. Liberals try to change the meaning of that word, but it, 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 this is how they turn it on its head. Let's go back to AR-15. Never use the term assault rifle. Don't use it. Say AR-15. Tell them, my rifle hasn't assaulted anybody, so you can't call it an assault rifle. That's an action, okay? This is an inanimate object that doesn't commit anything. The person holding the rifle makes the action, okay? The person would assault. that, Not the rifle. The rifle doesn't do the assaulting, Okay. Again, don't let them change their meaning, especially when we're talking about firearms. Do not let them do that. I'm going to read another piece. This is from the same piece on The Federalist. Words do change meaning over time, which is why this issue is so important. The judicial philosophies of originalism and textualism emphasize the importance of words because they convey valuable meaning. The importance of these philosophies, however, is that they rely on what words meant to the public when they were used. Example, well-regulated militia. To impose the current leftist linguistic strategy would mean that over time, laws do not need to change if words in those laws can simply evolve in meaning. That means you have to take literally what they meant at the time because language does evolve. So again, go back to well-regulated militia. That meant people like me. It didn't mean army. Great quote here. If they are unbound from the public meaning of words, they are no better than tyrants acting on subjective whim. In reality, a statute's meaning is frozen with the public meaning of the words when it passed. It is essential to critically evaluate the, what words mean and the context in which they are used. When colloquial words are improperly elevated and legal and technical words are degraded to irrelevance, the interpreter is, only arbiter of, is the only arbiter of meaning. Judges already hold this trust, but if they are unbound from public meaning of words, they are no better than tyrants acting subjective on subjective whim. That's a beautiful quote, so I wanted to read it again in full context. So this goes back to even the school stuff. You cannot let the left indoctrinate your children in changing the language you're trying to teach your children. This is imperative that we fight back against this. We cannot let it happen. Fight this battle. Do not play their game. If you're discussing something with somebody, correct them. No, that's not what that means. If I say thug and you think I'm talking about black person, you're racist, I'm not. I'm simply talking about somebody who looks like a criminal or somebody who commits criminal acts. And on to how our politicians will phrase things when, well, they want to steal from us. Taxes and mandates are individual shared responsibility. Wow, that sounds a lot better, doesn't it, right? Taxes. Nobody likes taxes, not even liberals. Individual shared responsibility. Oh, that sounds nicer. Government spending, a waste of our money turns into investment. We're investing in our future. We're investing in our youth by bankrupting future generations. Investment sounds better than government spending because even liberals already know that governments spend a shit ton of money. Keeping your own money, keeping your hard-earned money is considered greed. Thomas Sowell always had a, a great quote on this and I'm going to paraphrase it. I've always found it interesting that it's, it's greed to want to keep what you've earned but it's not greed to want to take what somebody else has earned because that's that's liberalism. You know, it becomes paying their fair share. 
when you want to take from people who have worked hard to build a business and maybe make a good amount of money, well, they need to pay their fair share. All through the Obama years, from 2008 to 2016, Republicans are obstructionists. They're obstructionists. Obstruction has negative connotations. You're obstructing progress. Against Trump, it was, we are the resistance. We are resisting fascism. Again, morons. You, fat, <laughs> Trump is not a fascist. Uh, but obstruction is a, has negative connotations attached to it. Resistance is rainbows and butterflies. So these are just some more examples where you have to, you have to, you really have to listen. You have to key in on this language and you have to correct people. Oh, the Republicans are just being obstructionists because we're going to hear that during the Biden years. Oh no, we're just the resistance. We're resisting uh, executive orders. We're existing fascism. We're existing rule by executive fiat. That's good, right? We were told that was good during Trump's four years. Resist, resist, resist. We had bumper stickers. Turn this language on their head. Turn it against them. Somebody, if you see a liberal complaining about taxes, especially under the Biden administration, oh, you're just paying your fair share. You're just, you know, you're just allowing the government to have more investment into our future. Isn't that what you want? <laughs> you can really turn this against them. And when you do it, you will see a liberal literally, they, they, it's like they short circuit. Funny because a liberal <laughs> was once trying to tell me that Trump took away LGBT, HIJK, LMNP rights. And I said, I said, did you know that that Trump is actually on video before he was ever a politician when he was just a celebrity and he was actually in favor of gay marriage before he was ever in politics? And I said to her, did you know that in 2008, both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama both stated that they were against same-sex marriage? They believed in traditional marriage was between a man and a woman. No, Obama didn't say that. No, no, he didn't. I said, really, I can, I can pull up. I can pull up the video for you really quick search. You can find Obama's stance on gay marriage 2008, and you will find that Obama was against gay marriage. He said his Christian faith taught him that marriage was between, was between a man and a woman. So it changed. So you just see how the rules are different for liberals than it are for conservatives. Anything orange man did was bad. Anything on the right, they will attach something with a negative connotation to it. They will use positive words like resistance. We are resisting the evil. They'll use positive words like we just want equity. They'll use positive words like mostly peaceful versus violent insurrection. Climate change is another one. Forever they talked about climate change. I'm sorry. Global warming, another one. Global warming, the globe is warming, the globe is warming, we're all gonna die. I think AOC said, God, didn't she say back in like 2018, we only had 12 years, so I think we're down to like nine years left before we die. But now it's climate change because you can dispute something like global warming because it's absolute. Well, let's look at temperature trends throughout the world. You know, Nebraska was actually once covered in like 200 feet of ice and it's no longer well, right now, it kind of is, but. Um, now it's climate change because the climate is always changing throughout the history of the world. They've shown drastic changes in, in climate. Now, I'm not saying that mankind doesn't have some sort of influence on temperatures and climates and things like that, but to what extent? And again, you have to go to, to what extent do you think, ask them, to what extent do you think humans are changing the climate? And how much money do you think can be spent to make how much of a difference? Because you'll find that they won't make that much of a difference. And just through private innovation and people wanting to take care of the environment, because people don't want to destroy the environment. And they've actually found that United States has decreased carbon emissions to like 1990s levels. While France and, and everybody that was in the, the uh, climate accords with France, France was actually the worst at CO2 emissions. Uh, well, China is always the worst. But out of the, you know, the more developed nations, uh, France was actually the worst. So just another example of where they control the language and we have to stop letting them do that. The left controls the language. If they control the language, they control the narrative. They can cast you in a negative light. They can cast themselves in a positive light when they in fact are the negative ones. Justice, another example, means getting what you deserve without favor. Well, now we hear the term social justice and that means getting what you don't deserve. Remember that. Social justice means getting what you don't deserve. And that's a perfect quote from Michael Knowles of PragerU. 
Justice should know no gender, no socioeconomic status, no skin color, no religion. It's just justice. Again, getting what you deserve without favor. Social justice, you know, or you could look to affirmative action. Who's against discrimination through affirmative action? You know, the DOJ had a lawsuit against Harvard for discriminating against Asian students. <laughs> we talked about this before. Asians are smart. So they were holding Asians to a much higher standard and they were holding white people to a higher standard than they were black people. Well, because like affirmative action and stuff, dude, like it's not fair. Like they don't have, they're not as smart as those other people. Again, who is the racist? The person saying that or the person that says, you know, I want to hold a black man, an Asian man, a white man, a Mexican man, insert other person here to the same standard. That person is the arbiter of justice, not the person that wants to treat people different based on their skin color. Liberals are so arrogant that they think black people need them. I don't think black people need a liberal. I don't think black people need me to be successful. I don't think a Hispanic person needs me to be successful. I think they need those three things that I want to teach my kids, hard work, respect, and discipline. Those are three things that anybody at any color, any religion, any gender can have and be successful. All right, I was going to wrap up the show with a final segment with the Wall Street Journal piece about the debt cancellation of student loans and who that's actually going to benefit. You'll be surprised to hear this, but this just broke. Uh, Deadline.com, Gina Carano hits back, announces new movie project with Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire. They can't cancel us if we don't let them. I'm going to read a quote from Gina. The Daily Wire is helping make one of my dreams to develop and produce my own film come true. I cried out and my prayer was answered. I am sending out a direct message of hope to everyone living in fear of cancellation by the totalitarian mob. I have only just begun using my voice, which is now freer than ever before, and I hope it inspires others to do the same. They can't cancel us if we don't let them. Gina Carano, a conservative juggernaut who also happens to be gorgeous, unlike most Antifa-like disgusting liberal women. So it's fantastic to have somebody like her as a spokesperson. Um, so, you know, this whole cancel culture thing, and I saw, as much as I like her, uh, Trump's former attorney, I don't know if he's still her attorney, but Jenna Ellis commented and criticized people canceling Disney+. Plus. Here's the thing. I've said this before. When you're talking about giving business, one of my good friends, he's a great customer at my business. I've only used him for my HVAC services. You guys have seen me argue with him on Facebook. Kylie is a huge lib. He's a good person though. I, I've sent him business. I will continue to give him my business. I won't try to cancel Kylie because of our political differences because I know that he's a good person even though he's politically a potato brain. He's still a good person. Disney thinks we're terrible people. Disney thinks you're a piece of shit. Disney has no respect for you. So I, I, I can't agree with Jenna Ellis on this one. We're responding to cancel culture by canceling? Well, hell yeah, we are. If they want to keep on canceling conservatism, it's time to hit them where it hurts. And that's their pocketbook. There's a reason why liberal boycotts don't work is because conservatives actually stand on principle. We will stand on principle and I'll gladly give my money to a Democrat if they're a good person and they're not trying to cancel me. But why the hell would I continue to support something like Disney Plus? I canceled my membership. I had it for the kids. We love the Mandalorian. I won't watch the show again. Gina Carano is my favorite character. It has nothing to do with how gorgeous she is. Uh, <laughs> I just thought she was a badass in the movie or the show. Sorry. Um, but no, uh, I completely agree, disagree with Jenna Ellis. And I'm happy that Gina Carano and, and Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire were, were able to work out a deal that's absolutely fantastic. All right, let's get to this um, Wall Street Journal piece. So this is fantastic. Uh, you know, the uh, liberals, they want to help the downtrodden. They want to help the little guy. They're not for the rich people, right? We hear this all the time. Republicans are for the rich people. Ironically, Wall Street, all the big businesses, uh, the richest zip codes in America all donated and went for Biden uh, because, well, Trump was against all of, all of the powers that be. There is currently about $1.6 trillion in debt. Biden, Elizabeth uh, Pocahontas Warren, and Chucky dipshit Schumer, their little plan to eliminate student debt would put about a million – I'm sorry. I almost said a million. That'd be silly. As Obama said, trillion with a T. It'd be unpatriotic to do that. Uh, they want to decrease student debt by effectively $1 trillion. What does that mean? That means put a trillion dollars on the on the back of taxpayers 
But who is this going to help? They want to erase $50,000 in debt. The median student loan balance is $22,000 and lower income college grads owe much less because they receive Pell Grants that cover much of their tuition at public, co uh, public colleges. And often at private colleges, they get institutional grants. So minorities, low income, they have a ton of way. Go, go look up a, uh, a, um, Go look up a scholarship for white male. <laughs> See what you find. You will not find a scholarship for white male. Now, go type in white transgender Buddhist monk, and I'm sure your college will be free all the way through grad school. The point is, is that there are a ton of things to help the lower income people in, in the downtrodden of society. The main beneficiaries of the Biden-Schumer-Warren plan are going to be higher income students who borrow for more expensive graduate degrees. I'm going to read from the piece. Colleges have expanded graduate programs because they can employ the students at low cost as teaching assistants. A master's degree on average costs $66,000 and a doctorate costs $108,400. So they actually did a study on this. The University of Chicago did a study on this. The top 10% of households by income would receive seven times as much benefit from the 50,000 loan write-off as the bottom 10%. So you're going to help the doctors and lawyers that come out of school with a six-figure income repay their loans. I thought we were trying to help the, the, the poor people, the, the black person who made it out the hood and got a college degree. No, they're helping the rich kids. That's who they're helping, and they know that's who they're helping. I don't think the University of Chicago is a bastion of right-wing propaganda. So anytime one of your potato brain, mush brain liberals bring this up on your Facebook newsfeed or in conversation, I want you to point out that this is really going to help majority. It's going to help the, the top 10% of income earners. And it's going to have a seven times greater benefit for the top 10%. So as usual... Liberal policy is done not on its, not on its, it's, well, it's done on virtue. It's done on virtue signaling. It, it's not actually graded by its outcomes. It's not graded by what it's going to do. And obviously liberals never factor in unintended consequences. You're never going to find a liberal that does that because everything is just virtue signaling. So make sure you point this out anytime uh, college debt forgiveness is brought up that they're just doing it for the rich kids. And okay, that is going to wrap up episode seven. Thank you for listening. Uh, episode eight, we're going to jump into uh, the totalitarian attack by Biden on Florida, the media cover-up of Cuomo. Uh, that is a huge story. Janice Dean originally broke it with Fox News. Uh, there's more and more coming out on that every day, so we're going to touch on that. And the Biden the Biden administration is just, I mean, they're a plethora of information. This is why I'm putting out more than my original plan of uh, one podcast per week. Like I said before, I'm just ripping them out. As, as I can get them done, I'm getting them out. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, share these. And again, I'm getting uh, censored on Apple and Amazon podcasts. So if you need to go somewhere, go to Spotify. You can download Spotify. You can listen to these for free. Make sure you subscribe and share the podcast with your friends if you like them. Thank you very much. God bless you and God bless America.